So what's up? <laughs> what's up? <laughs> how do you feel? Scale of one to ten, how you feeling? Scale of one to ten is seven. Okay. Can you care to explain what a seven feels like? Oh, do you therapist woozy today? You got T-woos, the position. They call me. T woos. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm going to hold on. All right. Today, how am I feeling? Seven. I'm doing good. Um, Yeah, overall, I'm a little stressed out with, you know, how much work I kind of am juggling right now. I'm really trying to master my craft and kind of being hard on myself, I think about it. But also, there's some very real challenges I have to work on, like email. I love writing emails, but I hate the amount of inboxes that I have for my job. And so I miss emails a lot. Okay. Um, And I'm also, once I'm like burnt out or overwhelmed or something, I will avoid my inbox sometimes. Like for a couple days because I'm getting caught up on other things. And so it's like, if I read my email, I feel like I'm going to have more things to add to the to-do list that I'm already super behind on. But it's not a healthy habit. So I'm really working on undoing that this summer and like getting into a new practice of forwarding emails, keeping up with them. But it is a labor of love and patience. You said forwarding emails like to back to yourself? Yeah, like kind of because I have so many inboxes. I like have to like forward them to one place. Otherwise, like I said, I'm going to miss them. So like the most manually. I have I have like certain um, rules set up on my inbox on okay. my uh, uh, my Outlook inbox. Yeah. So uh, it, the basically emails that come from particular people, um, or like Canvas is our learning platform, then that will get forwarded to like the email that I I check regularly on my phone. So what? What are some of the things you're gonna try to do to to get better at the admin work? Well. Part of it is like actually being disciplined and having self-discipline is something that, and good time management, like it's both of those things. And I feel like people are always talking about, or professionals, we are looking for people with good time management, but like it's a skill much more difficult to come across for me, um, particularly because I just have so many interests and passions and jobs Hmm. you know like it's kind of like I don't know difficult to be focused on just one thing and then it makes you seem like you're not committed or you're flighty and that's not it at all it's just you know I'm trying to engage all of what life has for me and all of what I have to give life Hmm. but um yeah it's time management for me it's being self-disciplined and just getting into a routine that I'm very committed to because yeah, it's I've been committed to chaos, if you will, you know. So, what's your relationship with like prioritization? My mom asked me that the other day, and I was like, I prioritized everything, mom. <laughs> but uh, I feel like I'm good at prioritizing in the moment when I'm freaking out and like spiraling, having like a lot of anxiety. I'm decent about that once I get past the emotional overwhelm, but. As it relates to like long-term planning, I probably could get better at it. Like 
I am recently in a place where it's like I'm, I'm making smarter decisions in the right now for a better future outcome. You know, I am walking in that a lot more now. But it, like I said, it's, it takes time. It's like not, a, not something that you see overnight change with. Is there like a filter that you that you run through to, to prioritize things, like to help you understand what's a priority or not? What needs to get done right now? What can be done later? And, you know, what's going to make me happy? Like, okay. what can I do right now that's going to make me happy? It's like those three things. If you had to put those in order, what are the order? What's oh. the order? Hmm. Oh. Probably what needs to get done right now what will make me happy or what will make me feel better and then what can be done later interesting the, the bottom two probably switch but I definitely don't like prioritize what's going to make me feel better mm-hmm. before what needs to get done mm-hmm. you know which is something I don't know I feel like I kind of need to switch that up because how you show up for what needs to get done is also just as important you, just showing up to get it done is like I don't know sets you up to be in positions that are like far less fulfilling and nourishing to you you know interesting what about you what do you mean how you doing on a scale of one to ten i have two scales life about a nine or eight life mentally about a three maybe Hmm. a four but yeah. Why? What's 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 the difference between the two? What difference between the two? Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm I'm what you call a sociopath. <laughs> I disassociate with myself. Mm. <laughs> so like a clinical diagnosis or a self diagnosis? Self diagnosis. Okay. Okay. So I feel like personally, I can see like where my life is at. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. I'm in a pretty good spot, you know. Good things are happening. Good things have happened. So I understand objectively on a macro, life is good. But then, you know, there's the emotional and there's the mental. You know, and that's where I'm like, yeah, you know. I'm I'm one of those, it's one of those things where I think Adele said it in her, on her album 30. Mm. I love being alone, but this is the first time I felt lonely. Mm. And I'm not saying this is the first time I felt lonely because that's wild, but it's one of those things where it's like, it's one thing to be alone, but it's one thing to feel like you're the only one out here. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those things. Yeah. Where you feel like the hate and the devil keep jumping me. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the Migos. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, that's a, you know. Very real. I think that's a fair assessment of my life. Okay. But, you know, at the same time, I don't let it I don't let it beat me up. Oh, I try not to. I just work harder, which is not good. But that's my talk. That's how, that's how I deal with it. It's like, oh, things are trash. Let's do more. <laughs> <laughs> let's, no. Let's bury this. <laughs> let's bury this. <laughs> But yeah, so okay. But yeah, okay. I'm up. <laughs> okay, what are you doing to like bring the three up? The three up? Yeah, the, for the mental health. We need to bring it up. So what am I? I just told you I'm suppressing it. There ain't uh, nothing to bring it up. 
So you're not gonna let it out. You can, I mean, I'll probably let it out one day. Probably, like, <laughs> probably on like Saturday. It's okay. Actually, you know what? That's not true. Because <laughs> you know what? Since I went to therapy, I've had a new phenomenon. I cry in silence. Such a weird phenomenon. I hate it. Like and like. Okay, when you say you cry in silence, you mean when you have a silent moment to yourself, or do you cry silently, like no sound, no tears? I mean both. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not the. I'm not. When I was younger, I was a. <laughs> <laughs> but like, no, I ain't been like that in a minute. But like, no, I'm like, like you know, sometimes I'll be sitting there and like, if I'm here, my roommate's gone. Mm-hmm. I'm here by myself. I turn the music off and I sit there. I just start crying. Yeah. <laughs> or like sometimes if I'm driving and I like I forget to put music on, I'd be driving. I'm like. What's going on? <laughs> and that's it, fine. That's whack. <laughs> I think it's so stupid. <laughs> I told my therapist, I said, you broke me. <laughs> I, used I, know. So, I used to be so resilient. Yeah. Now, I'm over, now I'm over here just driving down the street <laughs> crying. Like, I just think to myself, like, what if somebody looks over to me like, what the fuck has he got going on over there? No music, <laughs> just double fist in the wheel. <sighs> I probably just thinking, bro's having a hard day today. But that's what I'm saying. It don't be that deep. I thought it'd be like it'd be it'd be more like, like example. Yesterday, I'm sitting on the couch. Richard's gone. I'm sitting on the couch. I'm chilling. I was reading a book. Then I put my book down. I sit there and just think about like you know, going through that space where like you know you're putting I'm putting distance between certain people and certain things, and then like I said, allowing room to for the new for the next steps and creating that space in the systems and like just thinking about like what people are going through mm-hmm. and I just sit there and get so sad my heart gets so heavy and I start getting emotional and crying I'm like I just be like that's so stupid like what like cause like I'm like I'm that's the sad part cause I be sitting there like what am I crying for I'm good <laughs> like, my life is good I'm, I'm over here crying because other people's life from my perspective looking kind of shaky hmm Life. Life be life and Well guys, welcome to another episode of Special Friends <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> it's your boy Woozy and we're here What's with... up, y'all with Professor B, aka Ali B. Okay, aka Ali B. And yeah, we're here. Um We're here. Tuned in for the T Woo session. Yeah, <laughs> I like it though. <laughs> T Woos. Open up with it. <laughs> <laughs> On the couch with T Woos. Maybe one day. I, I can never be a therapist. When we have guests, yeah. Open up with the therapy? Yeah. I gotta, have, I gotta wear my glasses when I do that. Yeah. Have, have them hanging right here. How does that make you feel? <laughs> but you gotta get the <laughs> the little parts so you can hang them off your neck. Yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> the little chain. I want the ones that split, though. The ones that go. <laughs> so I go. Whoosh. I feel like those are the coolest ones. What's that like a little magnetic that pulls yeah, them together? A little magnet bridge. You don't want the kind with the sunglasses that flip up? Ew. Oh, uh, too lame. No, it's not lame. It's just it's giving like want to be cool. Sorry. Oh, I didn't say I wanted it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you said, oh, my, oh, my bad. <laughs> I didn't mean to offend you. No, this is your therapist style. I'm just. Oh no! Yeah, you know, like trying to. Give you some spice for your therapy for I the T-Woos. Shout out to therapy on the on the phone. Yeah. I've never had to experience r- people writing stuff down because I don't know how I will be able to focus if I see my therapist writing. 
Oh. Do they write? I always see them. Uh, my therapist. Sometimes. Sometimes she writes things down, but sometimes she doesn't. Sometimes it's just like a conversation. Depends. If it's like new stuff, probably. I feel like when I see writing, it's like, I want to ask, what are you writing? <laughs> Usually it's just like that. key stuff for them to remember because, you know, you Hand me that. going all over the place when you talk and talk therapy. Hand me that book. <laughs> see what you're writing about me. Yeah. <laughs> this is my therapy session. Let me see what you're writing about me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see your notes. <laughs> I mean, like, I think about the same thing like you're a teacher. Mm-hmm. You have to write notes when people are giving speeches, right? Yeah. I feel like if I was in the same space, like. Sometimes I do wonder if they like peek over at my notes when I like walk away to go do something like turn lights on or something. Miss B, give me your note. <laughs> they don't, your they'll note. just ask me after class. Can you, can you give me some feedback? And I'll tell them what I wrote on their paper. You tell them exactly? Mm-hmm. Verbatim? Pretty much. Sometimes Kelly. I say it maybe a little bit gentler than how straightforward I might write it down. But usually I'm pretty gentle even in how I write it down. Like. You know, people are insecure about their public speaking, so I try to be, you know, really encouraging in the criticism, but direct. Yeah, I feel it. Sounds like too much for me. I'll be worried about dumb stuff. Well, good, good speaker will learn how to stop worrying about the dumb stuff and just focus on being themselves. But I'm dumb. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately like we can't fix you today yeah not like that but like you know like i'm like oh why did i like you know you ever give us something you're like oh, i felt good about that and then like like why did i give that analogy <laughs> <laughs> it's like that one thing you can't like oh, everything else went good but it's that one thing i should have said this and said yeah yeah do you ever do you ever like i mean granted you're a master i am it, but like do you ever like have those moments you wake up like I should have said that <laughs> <laughs> sometimes after class yeah yeah but then the next class I try to remember to just say it then oh yeah cause you got constant iterations yeah exactly unless it's like the last class or sometimes like if I wrap up an assignment and I'm like oh man I wish I would have like framed it in this way but I'll just have to try it again next semester there's Is- always next semester there's always the next class I think that's weird. like I think about it now. Like, I'm gonna ask you. Take this with a grain of salt. Okay. What gets the better version of you, the first class or the last class? Uh, honestly, the. Probably the first class. Yeah. Because I'm a morning person, too. Okay. So my favorite time to teach is like 7.30 a.m. Okay. And 7.30, 9 o'clock. But I don't always get that. Sometimes I get like the 1 o'clock, 1.30, 4.30. It's horrible because not only am I not my, at my best at those hours, I'm not at my brightest. I'm tired. Usually I'm just like ready to be at home. And students are too. You know, so much of your day, so by by 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, you could have had such a shitty morning, such a bad morning. 
such a bad day that like being in that space no longer like the whole day has tainted your energy for the rest of the day. I don't I try not to let that happen in my class with my classes like just they get a fresh version of me in each time. But, you know, the later the day it gets, the more tired and more like tried I've been. Yeah, that makes you know? sense. So I was more thinking from the, the space of like I think about like sometimes when you have that organic conversation like that first go at a conversation and the ideas just come like boom 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 and then i think about like like you might have like the first like the first class you're just like you just had like these organic moments mm -hmm. but then by this last class like like do i feel like i don't know i always feel like reiterating the same thing um, no, it's not about, it's not even about like me, like the version of me that they get. Sometimes it might be like in my explanation and that always gets better the more times I've like facilitated a particular activity or discussion, but it's also about like the personality of the class uh. and like how smart they are as a collective and individually, uh. you know, cause if you, I've had classes where like most of them just take the, take the classes like a joke kind of. And so that's what you get. We have a lot of fun. We laugh a lot. But then, you know, when it comes to talking about real stuff that could actually help you, it's a joke. And we don't actually make really good progress sometimes. But now sometimes that energy, that. like if people feel like they could just joke around and be themselves, they might actually surprise you and, you know, give them something more thought provoking. So mm -hmm. it depends on the personality of the class and what they bring out of each other. Okay. You know, and how I facilitate that more than it does like the time of day. Interesting. Yeah, I don't think I could be a teacher. Uh, it's a calling. I don't really think teaching is like a career that like people should just do because it looks cool. Like I really feel like you should be, you should feel called to be in this line of service. Yeah, my phone's on silent. My phone's on silent. No, I'm talking about on that calling. D&D. <laughs> 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 Do not call this phone. <laughs> okay, whatever. I just, I just say that because like... That's cool. It's about the patience. I think I can... I feel like the actual going through it, I feel like I can probably do that part. It's the patience. It does take a profound amount of patience and maturity. Like for a good amount of my... The early part of my career, I was so sensitive and insecure just about my authority like you know if my students were really listening to me taking me seriously and so yeah I had like a chip on my shoulder about it a little bit you know and students would feel more comfortable because I was insecure and I think I think they could see it and even if they couldn't I was reactive so anything that felt like it was a challenge to my authority to my my sense of like security um, <clears throat> yeah, they would, I, I would, I would be very like triggered. I'd be triggered and, you know, I've had students like kind of go off on me and bring out, you know, a side of me that I just would love to not be in the classroom. So, you know, we've made a lot of progress since then, but it is patience. It is like, you know, maturing and having some grace with yourself because people expect like perfection out of teachers. They expect us to kind of like keep our composure at all times to, you know, be fair at all times when 
our students majority of the time are not fair to us and our students majority of the time are not perfect either but yeah and so they expect that from us yeah um but be example you can be an example of greatness but not perfection <laughs> <laughs> and i think i do that yeah you no, know? i'm just joking no no i know but <laughs> i just anyway yeah i feel shout passionately out, about shout that. the teachers though because i mean i i do think about granted i never went to college but i do think about the teachers of like like man anybody who teaches like the adolescents and i'm not talking about like elementary school like there's kind of like some grace there to understand like okay kids is going to be a kid I just feel bad for anybody between like middle school and, and, and like graduating class of high school. I just like big shout out to those teachers because you're dealing with like I I say this not to in a, like in a like in a, as, I say this as a fallacy because it's not fully true. Mm-hmm. But you're dealing with the worst parts, <laughs> the worst parts of people like of children. Yeah, because like now at this point you feel like you have some self agency, you feel like you have some sort of control over your life, and you do. But then you combine that with like, you know, five to six other teachers who are trying to tell you what to do. And like, it's, I, like I remember being in those classes. And I remember like feeling for those teachers like, man, you have to do this five times a day. <laughs> Jesus. For all year. <laughs> and like, don't get me wrong. They probably have some good classes, but I remember I used to have it. I, uh, shout out to Miss Johnson. We used to give Miss Johnson the work. <laughs> Our English teacher. Good it's trash teacher. to do that to your teachers. Well, I mean, it was, was she t- was she a trash teacher? No, she was a great teacher. That's the thing. She was a great teacher, teaching us how to break down songs and understanding the metaphors and double all that stuff. But you know, just being kids, you know, wasn't paying attention. So now you're like, granted, that is where I learned how to be wax uh, lyrical and wax poetic. I don't know what that means. <clears throat> well, like, uh, uh, like put on a show, I guess you could say. Oh, okay. Like, example, I did not, I couldn't stand the Crucible. Oh. So when they would read it, I just wouldn't pay attention. But then you get, draw, explain what just happened. <laughs> explain the theme that's that's being presented here, and I had to come up with some bullshit. <laughs> well, I just feel like there's some themes of. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, you really try to get into it. And it's like, I'm pretty sure she knows. But at the same time, it's like, I'm pretty good at BSing. I could BS, I could BS my way through some stuff. <laughs> I got some students that I think like to do that, too. Like there, B- BS some, their way through their speeches. There's some themes of like, you know, there's some themes of religion here. And <laughs> <laughs> listen, pro tip. There's always a theme of religion. Not always. Theme of religion is a safe theme to go for. Because there's usually a theme of religion in most in most things. <laughs> That's like the safest theme to go for. If you say that in my class, I'm gonna ask you to explain how. Yeah. And <laughs> just know. Well, I'm just saying, like, you know. No, I'm, yeah, no. <laughs> in most books and everything, like in case a, my, a theme. any of my students ever watch this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's... I, I don't know if it works like that in, in, in college. Um sometimes, yeah, I mean. You don't want to embarrass people, <laughs> but because people will BS you and you don't know why they're BSing. It could be that they genuinely didn't have time to read. <laughs> Your face. I love BSing. Yeah. <laughs> it cracks me up. That sucks. It sucks because I have no idea how to tell the truth with my students. 
Hmm. You know, like when they really need me to believe them, I just have to believe them regardless of if they're telling the truth or not. But I always also have to have like a healthy level of skepticism with every truth because the BS is real in college. And in a way that I feel like, I don't know. I don't know. Like in high school, it's like normal to be called out for your BS. Once you get to college, it's like you're in charge of calling out your own BS. Hmm. And so as an instructor, you can call it out. But if the individual is not really doesn't give a damn, it doesn't matter how many nice or harsh words you give the person to tell them the truth that's real <laughs> you know what i mean so interesting I can't tell you how many times i've like tried to encourage students who really did not give a damn about my class <laughs> well those who won't care just won't care and that's okay in the segue of not giving a damn kiki palmer let's do it yeah, <laughs> yeah. i'm trailing all the way off over here no, no not at all i mean it was just a conversation but yeah you know i i'm Obviously, I don't. Kiki Palmer, Darius Jackson, everybody's talked about it at this point. At this point, yeah. And what's there not? What's there left to be said? Poor Kiki, such a private person to have her business put out like this by. By her ex-boyfriend or boyfriend at the time. Yeah. Messy, but I will say this. Kiki can do no wrong. <laughs> Kiki is on Beyonce level. She can do no wrong. Said the entire internet. Dangerous, but the truth. Well, most of the internet, yeah. Unless <laughs> they're on Darius Jackson's side. Huh? And uh, I don't think, you know what? I will say, so obviously, we don't have to explain what happened with the Kiki Palmer situation. If you don't know, just, just Google Kiki Palmer and I'm pretty sure it'll come up. Kiki Palmer and Usher, or Kiki Palmer at Usher concert. Yeah pretty much but i kind of wanted to get into like i don't i don't think anybody's wrong in the situation per personally as i sat and thought about it i feel like no side was wrong the, the only thing i feel like was wrong is he took it to social media like a weirdo i feel like that was a phone call situation easy yeah i agree now here's here's what i really i i don't know if i can say nobody was wrong but what I can say is I don't think it's fair for that women can only show cheeks in bikinis. You know, when I look through my when I look through the lens of Kiki Palmer's outfit, it wasn't that bad. I know. We talked about it before. She has, she has way better outfits than it. I mean, like fashion style wise, she's got she's got some better better options or better better Se outfits that she's chosen. Sexual appeal. She's but, had better outfits than it. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, as a woman, I would feel sexy in that. Like if it's like it's it's frustrating that, like what? I said, mm -hmm. the only place we're that's appropriate for us to show our cheeks is at the beach or if we're walking around in Miami, maybe. Or if you are in sex work, like those are the only three occasions where it's appropriate to see a woman with her cheeks out. But my thing is, leave us alone leave us alone you know like i don't know i don't think anybody has a right to tell women how to dress or even tell us like what we're going to get as a result of what we're what we're dressed like we already know that 
what would be better is how about you check just check your thoughts and if you see somebody thinking inappropriately or speaking inappropriately because of the way that I'm dressed then do the work and speak up about, on it like maybe don't shame me and tell me to dress differently maybe you worry about you and I'll worry about me looking fine with my cheeks out with this little sheer dress over it that's what I would think the world it would be nice if the world operated like that well, I, like I said we talked about it we talked about it before we started it was an outfit the outfit wasn't that bad it was how she behaved no it wasn't how she behaved I took that I said that earlier when we talked privately I take that back too okay what what is it I then? think I think it was just a prior situation going on and this was oh. just a bubbling yeah true just but just burst because like i looked at the outfit right. i'm like you know what her cheeks was out but that was about it <laughs> and she just got a bunda i mean none, none she if she didn't have it. a big butt would it be as big of a deal it, i mean i, don't, I think, think so you think so yeah cause i think about like like kyle like uh, was it kendall mm-hmm. kendall be wearing stuff like that and i think it i mean it's still like mm, even though you don't have a big bunda it's like and that, that was the point I made. I was thinking about sheer dresses. I think about Rihanna. Completely nothing. <laughs> Not, I mean, yeah. Most, the only people that she get away. She had a bodysuit on. I, I guess, I feel like the only people who can really get away <laughs> with something like that are really celebrities. Mm-hmm. I, I can't say I've been to the club often <laughs> and seen Pacey's. regular people. But I, I do see some people in sheer dresses like that. I'm not saying that doesn't. I don't see it at all. I definitely see it on the on TikTok. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I've seen it in person. I've seen like the. Well, I guess that's still still beach attire where it's like the the shirt that looks like it's like tore up, look like some rags, mm-hmm. it's like tore up, and they got the bikini under. Yeah. Usually they'll have it in like Rastafari colors or something. Yeah. I've seen those, but I don't know. Like I said, for me, it's not even an outfit. I, like I said, I'm gonna be real. When I heard it was like when I, as I think about it more. This was just something they had going on and, and the internet caught wind of it and Usher came up with a free promotion. <laughs> like, I, I, I do think... And the reason why, to go back to what I said at the beginning, like, the reason why I say, like, I feel like nobody did anything wrong. Again, the way he reacted was terrible. Mm-hmm. I don't think yeah, he should have went okay. to the internet. Okay. I don't think... Especially if, you, if, if it, what it's true, if it's true that you saw her leave the house with it on, for you to go on the internet when she's at the Usher show is wild. So you're, I just think it was whack that he went to social media. But I mean, if he felt the ways, I mean, yeah, I mean, like if my if I was <clears throat> if my man was uncomfortable with it, I would be I would be fine to change. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I would think that like I'd be in a relationship with a man who's like attracted to my style as is so that I wouldn't have to like make those sort of changes and have to be concerned that like what I'm wearing is offending, you know, not offending, but violating like the boundaries of our relationship. Yeah. But I also just feel like trying to control a person's dress or, or, or anything behavior is kind of like not in the best interest of the relationship. And that's why I, why I said earlier, like worry about you (laughs) And let me worry about me. That's what I said. What? So I want to ask you because I was thinking about it. Like, what is, was there a right way of handling the situation? Yeah, the internet said it offline. Okay. And also, I just think, like you said, it was a pre. I think it was a previous issue. So 
you know, having those conversations, those important conversations and realizations before you have a kid and before you really start building together. Because it's one thing to be in a relationship and be finding these things out and be seriously committed. But it's another thing when like now you have another human life in, in, in the equation and it's like now you have two leadership styles that potentially are not compatible and you know kids kids need like parents to be on the same page they need they need clarity and I don't know I just feel like those are conversations you gotta think about because if you don't if you don't agree in the moment when you're building together you know you got to figure out if that's going to affect the long term and i feel like this is a this is a major conflict that affects the long term including their kid they have a they have a son together like how his son how their son sees women how they dress even how how their son sees his mom i think is going to be an interesting conversation as he gets older and they circle when their kid has to circle back to this viral moment you think that you think it will come back up then? I don't think it's that deep. It's their parents. Yeah. I think like their kids are going to be interested in knowing <laughs> like but saying- especially if this if their parents came apart because of this. Uh-huh. Yeah, I do yeah. think that eventually once they're older and I don't think it, I don't think it'll be like a I I'm just saying like if they're apart now, that's two different narratives that this kid now is going to have to struggle with making sense of to help them like move through this world Hmm. and i just think if you would have if we have those conversations sooner we can prevent ourselves from having kids that have two parents with completely polar opposite approaches in life which creates i think just more complexity in finding yourself and like navigating life it's already difficult to navigate life it's even harder when you've got parents that don't see eye to eye this is why I believe in marriage before having babies. I mean, that would be ideal, but it's not like the reality, sadly. Yeah. But I agree. I don't know if marriage is, is the... Because you can get married and still not know these things about each other. So, for, I mean, to if me... You get mar- if you, not, saying, not saying if you get married and you don't know, but if you get married and don't find out, that's kind of wild to me. Cause like I, I, there's a couple people I follow. do though. No, no, I know. It's a it's a couple I follow named um the it's a uh vlogger no yeah vlogger Ali Zaitza, her and her boyfriend or her husband. She just realized she just came out and said that she'd been married. She they were married. They've been married for two years now. But they've been together for like five or seven years. Some crazy. And he said like even though they've known each other and lived with each other since they got together, once they got married, it has been like a different like learning a lot. Like learning a lot more. Now they also work together. Mm-hmm. They have a podcast together and stuff like that. And through that, they've learned a lot more about each other. So I don't think like when you get married, you know everything. No, but this. I feel like stuff like that you should know before. This sort of stuff you should know, but like clearly they didn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean so that's what I'm, and I know they weren't married. I wonder if that's a byproduct of their just of just their lifestyle they live too. Well, they met. Maybe I don't know. I, I don't know. I feel like plenty of people would. This is a very relatable position. Like I just because she's a celebrity and like I I think it's still a very relatable problem. Because, well, I'm saying like oh, go ahead. because I feel like there were plenty of men who echoed what Darius was feeling. Like echoed like yeah I wouldn't want my girl to be even when we first talked you were you were saying yeah I can see why he's upset like 
you know, men are territorial and at least you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it kind of just seems like men are somewhat territorial of the person that they're with and how they're seen as a result of the person that they're with, you know, <laughs> but you disagree? What that, that I know, I, th- I think men I mean, are territorial for sure. I think, I don't know. I don't think that's a, I don't, I think both, I think we're, I think we're both men and women territorial because I definitely been well, yeah. on, I've definitely been on both sides. I I feel like with his situation, the reason I can I can relate to it, but I do understand that we're in two different places. Mm-hmm. Like like you said, <clears throat> Kiki wearing something like that is a lot more normal because she's going out and plan on being like you know cameras being there. She's all like you know there's there there is like she's planning on being seen. Mm-hmm. So she is. She is allowed like a, a next level of freedom what she wears because she knows she's going to be seen, mm-hmm. or at least a f- photograph, I should say. You know, like like I told you before with me, like if if Kiki was wearing something like that, or if, like if I was dating a girl and she wore something like that, like I said, I'm like as long as you come home, I ain't I'm saying <laughs> like as yeah. long as you come home, I ain't tripping. <laughs> a good secure man is going to do that. Yeah, is going to feel proud and to be with somebody so desirable now to their point if the relationship is a little shaky and she goes out and something like that that can i can feel that <clears throat> you know like i said we're on bad terms you go out bust out the cheeks i'm gonna feel a ways yeah <laughs> i understand and like i said i'm listen i'm all for the no i'm not for the petty but I, at one point i was all for the petty you know <laughs> trying to get a rise out of somebody. You know, make somebody feel, you know, make somebody feel a ways. You know, guys do it too. Sometimes I don't know if guys do it, but you know, some guys, you know, I'm gonna get the haircut, <laughs> <laughs> or some guys with dreads. I'm gonna go get the the, the fresh retwist, <laughs> make her feel a ways. Dang, why he smell good? Why his hair? Why his hair look different? Especially if you do it after after you know. Yeah, a good fresh like lineup is nice. <laughs> <laughs> good smelling, good. After an argument though, I so fell. So disrespectful. Uh, How can I be mad at you? Coming in here in that lingerie, the you know what I mean. Talking about men's lingerie. <laughs> I don't know. That yeah. <laughs> Talking about them sweats. I, a I, nice I, casual look, <laughs> smelling all good, but looking all fresh with your fresh cut, <laughs> smelling good, skin good. First of all. You know what it, you know, you know, I was mad. That's another thing. That's another thing. I know something I used to do. I don't know if it was petty or if I was trying to resolve the situation. The jury's still out. But I know if I got on somebody's nerves and I know they're mad at me, I get their favorite food. Cause now you got to talk to me. <laughs> yeah. I got Wingstop. <laughs> yes. I got hot wings. Do you want some? <laughs> Nope. Yeah. Can't have none until you talk to me. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that'd be like Survivor. <laughs> but yeah. But that, yeah, no. That <laughs> that would probably work for me. But you say it wouldn't? It probably would. I mean I think bring I'm, me some boba. But yeah. I'm I'm I feel like no, I'm not easy to come down when I'm angry, but yeah. I'm kinda after a certain point I can be very amicable, like or amicable. You gotta do this at like you don't do this like hour one. You do this like you know you test out hour one, test attempt. Oh, she mad mad. Okay. Then like hour two, two and a half. 
I'm a, I'm a, you either say I'm going to go get something to eat and then like pro get out there. You want some? Still, they still a little hot. That's when I really, that's when I got to sink, hook, line, and sink. Like, all right, I'm gonna, I know exactly what to get. <laughs> but if they like, oh, I wanna, yeah, I'm going to go with you. Then you had a little conversation in the ride. And, Where are we going? Your favorite. In and out. Oh my God, I love you so much. This is why. Oh. <laughs> Tell you, food. They they say they they be saying like the way to a nigga's heart is food. I really think it's the other way around. I think a way to a woman's heart is some food. Especially mm-hmm. if you know what they want already, because they don't ever y'all don't never know what y'all want. No, we don't. Well, I don't. But then I do. I don't. I know what I love, but yeah, I don't know what I want in that moment. So <laughs> it's like I'm just gonna pick for you. <laughs> it's like oh my god. I love Thank you so you. much. <laughs> wow. But yeah, like I said, I told you before, like we talked about before, like this week has been like weird. Like, I think we should talk about boundaries. Okay. Like boundaries, boundaries in relationship. Like, obviously, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of situations where the Kiki Palmer situation, the Jonah Hill situation, and the last one I don't want to talk about, but. <laughs> Adam 22? Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. But. We don't have to, but you. I feel like just for the sake of the spectrum being clear. Yeah, I, I just say this: if you save, don't look that up situation up. But like, yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But as far as the Jonah Hill situation and like the Kiki situation, like seeing, I think it, I think it is important to understand boundaries and more important when to set boundaries. Love how you don't want to bring up the other one because <laughs> I get it, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um. But I want, I want to ask you, like, I feel like, I don't know, have we talked about this before? Anyway, we, I don't care if we talked about it before. Do you, is it hard? Like I said, I get it when you're in that phase of, like, the honeymoon phase and, like, the lust phase. You kind of let your boundaries go to the wayside. So I feel like there's some grace in that. But, like, when, it, when is a good time to set boundaries? Like, is it, like, good to set them early? Is it good when they, they arise? Like, what, is that, what does that look like for you personally? And I'm not talking about boundaries only in a, a, a romantic relationship. I'm talking about even like, I guess all flavors. Sometimes you got to set boundaries with your mama. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard. Setting boundaries is hard with family because I can't say that like boundary setting has been, you know, <laughs> something that is a power of a child, if you will. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like as a kid it's like you do what you're told these days kids have like a lot more agency and ability to like have boundaries with their parents but like how I grew up was not necessarily like that and I don't know I feel like I'm kind of like not living it out in my adult life because my parents are good about giving me space giving me the boundaries I need but I do think it's like an organic thing to get my to my point regardless of if it's romantic or if it's like familial or if it's platonic like I think your needs and relationships are evolving and changing especially as you evolve and change so you know I think you bring them up as you need them as you change and as you just determine like for example and you know like with my mom my mom and I um, share locations with each other and most people at like 30 probably wouldn't share their location with their parents but it makes my mom, it helps my mom's anxiety at the end of the day. I tried to turn it off and, and it was, she was like, but I really 
feel at peace being able to just check. Does she just watch? No. Hmm. She she just like if she calls me and I can't pick up, she'll just be like, "Oh, is she all right?" Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like a where you at? Why are you here? It's not like a I ain't never seen that just before. Yeah, and if she <laughs> is, I don't know. <laughs> but the, she she says that's not what she uses it for. Yeah, I don't think so. And I don't and I trust her, but at the same time, like navigating those boundaries of like what I want versus what gives her peace of mind, like what's worth sacrificing, you mm-hmm. know? My ego and wanting to just like be able to be off the grid from all people or being able to help my mom with with one layer of having mental peace because from what I hear from all parents is like you never stop worrying about your kids you know what I mean and that's something I can't really understand because I don't have kids and so it's like I feel like this is my best ability to be empathetic to that Mm -hmm. you know what I mean but I don't know sometimes I'm also like is it appropriate for me to be sharing my location with my mom? I don't know what the healthy boundaries are. It feels healthy, but everybody else I know doesn't, ha- doesn't, doesn't. So I feel like, yeah, mm. like I said, it's like an organic thing because what works for me and my mom might not be the norm for everybody else and their mom. Maybe that's not a norm that we should have, but I don't know. It's working for us right now. And I don't know when it, when it doesn't, I feel like we'll have to cross that bridge. And if it's a difficult boundary to set, then it will be, but it'll have to be set regardless. I feel like, you know, I think this is a good segue into the conversation of like, actually, I, I one more thing. I do think that like, if I had a partner, like somebody else, she wouldn't be as concerned. You know okay. what I mean? But like, I, because I'm a single woman and everything like that, I, I think there's just like that layer of, you know, is she good? You know, is she, is she safe? And also, if anything happens to her, I want to be able to say, I know I have her location. So I think it's coming from like a very genuine place. I don't think it's coming from like a trying to manage my life or trying to be nosy about where I am and who, you know, I don't know who I spend my time with. I mean, given the given, obviously, I don't know her, but given this, the the, the way that you're explaining it, I don't think it comes from a place of like, I want to know where she's at all the time. I, def- yeah. I definitely do think it comes from a place of security and just trying to feel comfortable and knowing like yeah my daughter's an adult but I do want to be especially if, if we have the access to something like that I do want to have the peace of mind of like Phew, she's at home or she's at her friend's house mm-hmm. or she's at work whatever mm-hmm. like or if, like you're, if I'm traveling oh she made it yeah exactly so yeah I wanted to use this to segue into the conversation because I, I brought up to talk about like family dynamics <clears throat> and as you were talking I was just thinking about that like you're like I don't know if it's healthy I do, you know, I was, I was, I, I talked to you, I went to go visit my, my girlfriend's dad and in that they have a little bit more of a, like a, a I guess you could say tighter mm-hmm. family structure. Like they kind of do everything together. Mm-hmm. Granted they have younger children, mm-hmm. so it makes sense. But I do, I do, I was, as you were thinking, as you were talking, I was thinking about that mm-hmm. and I do believe there's two types, not two types, there's probably more of them, but the two types that come to mind right now for me of families is like the one, the family member that knows everything about each other. You know, like your mom knows everything about what you got going mm-hmm. on, and the brother knows everything what the sister got going on, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And there's a the family where you like know, you know the minimum. Mm-hmm. Like, I know you got a girlfriend, but don't know where y'all at, you know, whatever. Or like, even like, sometimes I don't even know, I know you dating. <laughs> you know, like, and I, I think, you know, 
I remember me and my cousin talked about this before, and it could be very jarring because some fam like I come from a family that's pretty mixed, but it, it does weigh it weighs more on kind of knowing everything. Like my mom, for the most part, knows about everything I got going on interpersonally. Mm-hmm. As far as like she inquires about, you know, like I'm not hiding anything from my mom. Um and I think my sister, same thing. Like, I, I don't hide, like, things that I've been through or how I feel about certain things. I don't, I, at least I'm not good at it. I don't try to, I don't try to hide what's going on and whatnot. So, I, I, I and now that I'm thinking about it, like, it's weird. I don't want to say it's weird. It's abnormal to me to think that there are people who, like, hide a part of their lives from their family. Mm. Like, there's a part, like. And I get it. Like, this, I don't think your mom should know everything, everything. Yeah, yeah. But, like, it's it's weird to be like, you know, you might be going for a promotion or you might be struggling with, like, 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 I'm, like, say if I'm going for, say, like, like this, I'm doing a podcast and I'm, I, I got the different ideas and different thoughts I feel about the podcast. My mom knows that stuff. I think it's weird that some people will have something like this. And their parents don't know anything about it, or they know the bare minimum. That's my family. <laughs> we know the bare minimum. Yeah. <laughs> like I didn't even know you did that for real. Yeah, like I don't know. I don't share with most people. So mm-hmm. I, I was just talking to my bonus dad today uh, before I got here, kind of just giving him a little a little life update. And I told him I was on my way to record this podcast, and he was like, "Oh, you have a podcast?" And I was like, "Yes. <laughs> What's it on?" <laughs> You know, we just, you know, everyday things that are happening in the world, in our lives, kind of just kind of shooting the breeze, if you will. And he was like, oh, that's cool. I was like, yeah, it's on, um, you can, my mom watches it sometimes. He's like, it's on video? <laughs> so I was like, I, I thought maybe I'd mention this, but I just post my stuff on Instagram and think that everybody sees it when that's really not the case with my family. So, um, Yes, life be life and for me and then you know I'll give my family an update and they'll be like oh wow I didn't know that was going on that's cool yeah you know but I do think that they do desire to be more in the know yeah but I don't know what when it changed I used to tell my family everything but I I feel like these days I have too many ideas and creative goals that like I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it just like goes over their head and it's like not super, I don't know, interesting to them. Hmm. So, yeah, I just kind of keep it as like my own world and I'm really good about being in my own world. But that's kind of what one of the, I think, benefits of coming from a family that's kind of free as can be, if you will. Like Mm -hmm. you really have the space to create your own world, your reality and, you know, it's not necessarily, shaped as much by everybody else. Yeah. You know? And in some regards, I, I think that that's really beautiful when other people help to shape it, but, um, or shall help to shape you, but I don't know. I don't know, I like the, the freeness of surprising my family. <laughs> really? That's what's weird because I think about it like, as far as like our demeanor, mm-hmm. my family's very free in mm-hmm. the sense of like, my mom, granted, 
it's taking time. Mm-hmm. It took me like, I remember, I think I was 18, turning 19, and I took my first flight without, like, planned it and did everything without inquiring about her at all. I remember she was so, I don't want to use the word hurt, but she was so, like, taken aback by it. She was like, you were just going to go to Denver and not say nothing? I'm like, oh, my God. Well, I mean, I, I'm telling you that I'm going to Denver now, but, like, I wasn't going to tell you about the planning <laughs> process of going to Denver. Like, that's wild. And I remember she was, like, so, like, stunned. I mean, I don't know what she was stunned about. I guess I had to inquire with her about what it was. but mm-hmm. Or that you didn't need her to answer all the answer any of the questions to get there. I had Google, but, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, but, yeah, but, but parents, uh, you know, before you get to that place, they're used to being needed to answer all the questions to help you with everything. So, yeah, to be to not be of use in that way is probably shocking sometimes well, for I, some parents. And I, I think also, too, like, you know, like, I was one of those kids. I don't know if I'm the treasure child, but I was one of those kids where. Is that recording? Yeah, it's recording. Is it? Yeah, because I see the red light. I don't oh. know why that, that triggered me. But <laughs> oh my god, it triggered me. Too. <laughs> I was like, but, no. <laughs> but um, I was saying like I was one of those those children where like if I got on a a, a bus to go to L.A., somebody was there for me. Mm-hmm. Like anytime I traveled. There was somebody on the receiving end to like catch me. I think this is like one of the first times for her where I was like, like when you get there, what are you gonna do? I'm like, Uber. <laughs> like, Uber where? To the hotel? Who are you going to the hotel with? Myself. <laughs> like, like, what do you mean? <laughs> like alone. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm thinking I haven't thought about it in a while. But like, yeah, like I I feel like what was the point? I think the point I was making was that where I'm free, we're free in that way where we kind of all make our own decisions, mm-hmm. like make our own decisions um, removed from the family, which I don't know if that's good or bad, but I think everybody is included like when that decision is being made, like mm. I'm moving, mm. but I'm letting y'all all know that I'm moving. Like I'm not hiding mm. in like last day I'm moving. It's more like, yeah, I'm going to be moving to or like I don't remember I remember I was quitting my job so my mom was like yeah I'm quitting my job you think that's a smart idea I'm like yeah I thought about it already like I'm just letting you know that I'm quitting though like I'm gonna put my two weeks in like I'm not asking for permission to, to put my two weeks in I'm more like this is what's happening oh yeah yeah that's it that's the case with my family too. yeah but I like I'll let them know I'm thinking about something thinking about applying for something or I've applied for something mm-hmm. and then I go through it and I let them know how it goes. It's kind of like, yeah, as life happens, I let them know. But, you know, I don't know. I used to share everything and I got to this place where discretion became a lot more important to me. Hmm. And I really only share what I feel I need to share. So let me ask you, when you say discretion, like what, what, what are you like trying to minimize by not like sharing uh, what for one, my dating life, mm-hmm. like I don't tell them about my dating life mm-hmm. and um, it's just personal. It's just kind of like when I have somebody that I'm serious about, absolutely, you're going to know. But until then, uh, I'm OK figuring it out on my own. I'm OK coming in to ask for help when I need it. But generally, like I don't want to involve my family in you know the getting to know you phase Mm -hmm. it just doesn't tend to be 
long lasting anyway. So yeah, I'm not saying that, that it, it won't be in the long run, but I'm just saying like, I'm not trying to drag my family through all that. <laughs> and what happened to Terry? We're not talking about Terry more. You know, and the <laughs> amount of times that, no, <laughs> no, it's how about when somebody of like high quality comes along that I also choose. Cause it's, a, it's also like revealing myself and revealing like, Things that I don't do right, and I don't know. I'm I'm sensitive about my family knowing that kind of stuff too. Really? Yeah. Interesting. No, I'm like such a I, perfectionist with them. I will say I'm I'm different that way. My mom, my sister knows. Well, my mom don't know, but my sister, my sibling, my sister knows pretty much everything about me. Well, my siblings, yeah, yeah, that's different. Yeah, my siblings is different. But even with my siblings, it's like <laughs> I'm I'm the closest with my youngest sister probably my bonus sister and my younger brother. I have two older sisters, but I'm not as close with them. Like we're still getting to know each other. So I would say my youngest sister is probably the sibling that knows me the best, but both, all my siblings have like different moms. Yeah. I'm my mom's only child between with my dad. I'm my only grandparents, grandchild, my uncle's only niece. So there's a lot of like, it's just me <laughs> and I don't really at this big age <laughs> want everybody to be so hyper focused on my dating life. I want yeah. my family to be focused on who I'm becoming, like the music I love to make, you mm -hmm. know, like the podcasts I'm making, mm -hmm. you know, I want them to be interested in my the one that you're hiding. The one that I'm not even hiding I'm just it, you know, it's, and that's the thing. It's not that I'm hiding it. It's that like I don't feel like my my family asks about the other stuff. Hmm. So for me, it's like I'm not going to just willingly offer all the cool things I'm doing, you know, partly because I don't feel like it's interesting to all of my family, but also because, hmm. you know, they don't ask. You know, they ask me about my dating life, and that's why I don't talk about it very much because that's all they care to know about. And quite honestly, I don't know, hmm. it's just not their business. Interesting. It's not their business. Yeah. Until until it is. I love you, mom. I guess that makes I sense. Tell, I do tell my mom some things though. Like my mom my mom does know like when I've met somebody, when things have not worked out or if they are working out, but she doesn't always know like why things don't work out. She doesn't I don't really always tell her all the details because Sometimes I'm tired yeah. of talking about him and I don't want to hear her. I love you, mom, but sometimes she'd be right. And I just, I'm like, ah, you, you ever get like that? Me? Yeah. Well, like I said, I've, I've dated a good amount, but mom, I think every, I think my family has met, well, my mom and my sister, I think they met about everybody I've ever dated. I think everybody. Eh. Well, yeah. I mean, Okay. Yeah, I would say everybody seriously dated for sure. Well, I, I th that's the thing. I haven't seriously dated somebody uh, in a long time. Okay, okay, okay. So, okay, okay. and that's not for lack of trying or not wanting that. It's just been my reality, and it's difficult for my, in my opinion, for my mom gets it. I think my dads get it, but like my grandparents, I don't, especially my grandma. I don't really think she gets it because she was courting and dating in a completely different time. Hmm. And the the pool of eligible men that are available 
is not what it once was. Like the kind of men that are available today are not the same kind of men that were available when she was, mm. you know, looking for her, per- her, her person. So, you know, it's that part where it's just like, I don't want to have to keep explaining why things don't work out for me when it's the kind of the, the landscape of dating. I'm not saying that I didn't play my role too. Mm-hmm. That's stuff that I'm willing to own up to. Mm-hmm. But um, if all you want to know about is my dating life, like it's going to be a lot of failure. And mm. I just don't care to talk <laughs> about a lot of failure. I'd, I'd rather talk about, if I'm going to talk about failure, I'd rather talk about how like I failed to know on one of my recordings but I found a new one. Yeah. Or I'm working through it right now, working to try to have access to it. I don't I mean, know if that I, makes I, sense. I, I, I would say I wonder. I wonder if talking about it more would open the door for the mask about it more. Maybe, probably. Because like, I got. Because I think about. I think about example like my my clothing brand, and about my podcast. If I don't, if I didn't talk about it, I mean, one, they most likely wouldn't know unless someone brought it up third party. Yeah. But I, I I feel like by talking about it and talking about the plans I have for it, I feel like it prompts people to when they think about me, how's the podcast? Ask. How's the you know how's the clothing brand? I haven't seen you drop a hoodie in a while, about you know, and those questions. Granted, to your point of like you know like example like with the clothing brand, like dropped a hoodie and then for a year didn't drop anything as I was trying to figure out what I was gonna do next. That could be kind of like, hey, when are you gonna drop something again? It's like. But like, you know, but I think it, it's also like an accountability thing, too. It feels like for me, at least in that moment of the of the the, the brand, there's like accountability. Like, OK, I told these people about this thing. I can't just be like, oh, no, I don't exist now. But that's like kind of like why I do it. But I do think there's discretion for me. Like the only time I feel like I have discretion with my family. Is when I'm struggling and not like financially, because I've never truly financially struggled. Like I've never been like. Like, I've been in debt before, but I've never been like, I don't know how I'm going to pay the rent today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I've never been in that situation. But, like, when I'm, like, if I'm going through, like, if I'm having a hard time, I think my family can tell. But I'm not like, yeah, mom, like, it's bad. Like, I'm going through it. Like, I don't know. I've never, and I don't, granted, it's also never been an inquiry about it. Like, I've told him about me going to therapy, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the, I think that's the line and I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think that's good either. I feel like I think family should know. Yeah. Because I know I definitely check in my mom, my brothers, my mom, my sister, my cousins, my aunt. I check in on well-being and like also I'm like the person who pass along information as well. Like if I see something, I'll like send it to him like, look, this is look what happened to this person. And not like on a gossip thing, but like crazy. Like, yeah. Look at this. Like update. Wow. Guess who I saw yesterday? Guess who I talked to yesterday? Or I'm I'm notorious for hey this is Baba Bob's birthday tell him happy birthday <laughs> like I'm like that person and I think that's cool like to be connected in that way yeah but I do I am very discerning about like because I, I just be feeling like like you said I don't I don't like to talk about like my mental health because I don't like when people inquire about my mental health because like I'm not like even though like I go through depression I'm not like a person who's like you know sometimes I hit people here especially when you talk about black people like black families. You hear depression and you, you know, you, you attach it with like addiction and like suicide and different things like, like the negative things of it. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm just having a hard time right now. It's like, are you sure you're good? I don't want to, I don't want to find out something. It's like, relax. 
How about I don't tell you? I'm all right. <laughs> and I don't know, but I guess to kind of take a step, take a step back. Like, I think it's, I think it's, it's been like when I went to go visit my girlfriend's family. Like, it's, I think it's cool to see different family dynamics. Yeah. Especially at a point where it's like you know I, I want I have a family, but when you create your own family, like how you want that to look. I think it's pretty cool to see like like my girlfriend's my girlfriend's boyfriend's family she said there's how type of people where if they go do anything like everybody rides together mm-hmm. and like for me that's like wild like personally like I, I think everybody hopping in a car to go somewhere is just wild to me but it might come from a selfish place as well because like if I'm tired I'm not gonna get in a car like I don't want to be in a car like like in my head I'm like oh y'all about to leave take a nap like perfect time for a nap oh you know what i had i i had a i my my former roommate was kind of like that when we went we went camping together Mm -hmm. and she just she had this very nice agenda of activities you know to to do get together during camping which included like tubing and uh, fun stuff, but like I <laughs> didn't want to tube in particular. I did not want to get in the water. I don't really like getting in water where I can't like see the floor. Yeah, the murk. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, but also, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, um, but yeah, she wanted to do that, and I wanted to just stay at the campsite in color. And she was, she would get frustrated about it. She would get frustrated because you know. She wanted us all to be enjoying each other. But me, I'm over here like, oh, y'all want to go tube and do it. Have fun. Have and I mean it genuinely. But she's over here like, you know, a little salty that I want to be by myself. <laughs> but that is the nature of having different dynamics because her family is very close knit. Her family likes to do a lot together and they take very good care of each other. It's not to say that my family doesn't take good care of, our, <laughs> of one another, but um, it is shown in a different way. It's not shown in like quality time, you know, and being all up under each other. You see, my family is like a proximity family. And I, mm-hmm. it's funny because I see that in my own like uh, romantic relationships where it's like, <clears throat> I'm low maintenance, honestly. Like for me, like I need quality time, yes, but like quality time for me, like something for me that I, I really enjoy and like I kind of need is like I need to know that I could be in the same space with you but be doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. Like, like, yeah. I, like for me, like if we're both in the living room, I want to be okay with me being on my laptop and I just look, you know, you over there, whatever, watching TV or whatever. And like, for me, I'm good there. Like, yeah. I don't need, I'm not the type of person like, I need you to watch the show with me. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Yeah. Like that, I'm not that type of person like, I'm watching the show, can you watch the show with me? You know, or I'm not, I'm not like the, we play a game, like my family plays games, but we're not like, we're not like if we're in the same room, we have to be doing something together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my family's like that. I feel like, I don't know, we're like a hybrid. Like, mm-hmm. we like to spend time together. It's just like, we we spend time together for holidays and birthdays. Sometimes if it's just because we feel like it, mm-hmm. but mostly it's for like celebrations and you know, we call and keep in touch and do our one-on-one visits between all that to, for the quality time. But yeah, on Thanksgiving 
or like especially when I was in grad school, Thanksgiving, Christmas, like on all those celebrations when we come together, I would still be doing my stuff. I'd be working. I'd be doing my own thing while people are watching TV. Hmm. But I feel like for a family like that, it's important to be present. And that's something that I've had to kind of shift into is like if we're not getting together like the like families that do everything together when they're in a room together not to say together so much but you know like we have to definitely be more present when we're together to really maximize that quality time i guess i will say too i have to remember that my family is an entrepreneur like entrepreneur family so Mm -hmm. like from the age of 17 to 22 we work together like five days a week Mm. so i think part of that too is like listen i literally saw you yesterday (laughs) And now you at my house. <laughs> I do not need to talk to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we don't, I guess it's kind of like pop, we're like popcorn. Like, a, like you know, when it's like, it's like, there is no, like, if we're having a big conversation, people come and go. Like, that's how my family uses, like, say we're like, someone's playing dominoes. Like, two people play dominoes. Someone might come. Let me get in. Another person would come in, play. Game will be over. Person leaves. Two people leave. Whatever. Or the game ends. It's like stuff like that. Like people. Mm-hmm. Like it will usually be like people hop in, hop out. It's not like, come on, y'all. We all finna come play Monopoly. Mm. Like we'll rarely do that. But I don't know. Like and I'm. I think I admire families that do that. I think it's so cool to be like, listen. We all finna get together and do. We all finna get together and watch this movie. We all finna whatever. And I admire that because my family is not like that at all. Yeah. It's more like grandma puts on a movie. And then we all get hooked, and then somehow we're all eight on the couch now watching the movie. But it wasn't like, everybody, come on, watch the movie. I feel like that's like my older sister. My older sister and her family are kind of like that. They like, they do a lot together. They, you know, have like cute, like matching, ma- matching sleepovers, like sleep sets and stuff like that. Yeah. And they have like a lot of kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like it's like the size of the family, too. Hmm. You know, when you have a larger family, you can afford people to come and go. But me, it's a, it's a, it's a small party of five. Yeah, you, you can't just like easily exit yourself out of the conversation unless you just weren't in it anyway. That makes sense. And for me, because I'm the baby, I often feel like it's it's easy to just kind of be like there, but not there. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, like. I'll engage in the conversations if I feel like I have something to contribute Hmm. of value. But most of the time I'm just listening and sometimes I don't want to listen. So, (laughs) you know, go mind my business elsewhere. Um, I I just wonder, I I think it's crazy because I think about, hmm. It depends on what they're talking about. Sometimes I want to know, but sometimes it's stuff that's like, I can't relate and I don't understand what you're talking about. It's too many years beyond my, (laughs) my knowledge and, Understanding. Do you, the, do you still sit at the kids' table? There is no kids' table anymore. No. No, but there's not the grown folks' table and then the young folks' table. No, like I said, I'm the youngest. But like by a margin. Well, like I guess like my uncle's in his late 40s, I think. Okay. So like. There's definitely still young folks and old folks for us. Yeah, well, I mean, there's young. There's oh wow, really? Yeah. Like when we even when we get together as pods, like it's be the young folks over there and it'd be the old folks over there. Like even the old mm. folks when they hang out, they hang out just them. Like I recently just got invited to some of the stuff. I'm like, am I getting invited to the old folks functions? 
I'm not even old yet. I think they do do some stuff like that, but it's mainly like my mom's generation and my grandma's generation. So yeah, kind of, but that it just yeah yeah actually, <laughs> we kind of do still get sent to the kids' table to an extent. <laughs> but they tell us like my my generation of cousins like y'all need to start planning stuff and things like that. But we're like. You know, I, I do. I do got to agree. I feel like my mom's like the generation of people in their 40s right now, like 40s, but into towards 50. I feel like they're way more being they're like way better at being connected with their like secondary mm. um, relatives, like cousins, and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. my mom gets with her cousins and all that type of stuff. I'm going to be real. I don't know how you do it, girl. We might me and my cousins might text every now and then. But I'm talking about like I'm talking about like my mom be like yeah I'm gonna go to L A and hang out with my cousin like I know that's I know what you it's a comparison because yeah my mom yeah yeah because I I'm listen I am not going there for you like I'll be there <laughs> and if you want to do so we can kick it but like I mean oof I, I I want that one day but I don't know I don't know if I, I don't know how to put that work in I'm gonna be real well and I think we're just at the age where like we can't afford it like them. You know, like at that, we can afford it, but like across the the board with my cousins, we're all still young and developing ourselves professionally, and some are developing themselves and families. So it's just kind of like it's a lot to transition into like being an independent adult, and then also having to like manage being the glue or keeping your like relationships with your family close, like especially when all your life you've mm. relied on your family to create opportunities for you to do that. So Interesting. I don't know. I think we'll come, we'll come together a little bit more intentionally when we reach their age and we miss family and we start losing family. That's it. That's what I, said. I don't know. That's why I get nervous about. I don't want to be, I don't want to, I don't want that to be the reason. Yeah. Like I don't want to, I don't want to lose a cousin and be like, damn, now I want to start hanging out with my cousin more. Like I kind of, that's that's my that's what my always try to do. Like I always try to be intentional with that. Like, well, I didn't. I don't mean like losing a cousin. I mean more like as elders pass on, and all you have is like, you know, the generations start to become less older, and they start to become more young. Yeah, well, you know, that's, then I mean, you're forced to really appreciate and, yeah. and extend it. Otherwise, I mean, obviously we create our own families, but that extended family is still so important. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I don't know. I'm pretty good at like like obviously I have my cousins that I do kick it with consistently or reach out to consistently, but my mom had like I said my grandma had 14 kids man. I got siblings I still don't reach out to like on my like like I got like my dad's my dad's kids like I'm terrible at reaching out to them, so it's like I don't know like I'm not I'm not trying to make it as an excuse I just like it's just like more realization that like. <clears throat> I don't know. It's kind of tough. It's it's really tough because I, you know, I have my friends that Mm -hmm. like really rock with me. So like my friends and my cousins, my sister and them, like the people who like really like there every day. Mm -hmm. It's like easy for me to give them that time, but it is hard for me to like take a divvy up that time and then like give that to somebody else who I feel like might not. I mean, you got to give it to them to see what they do with it, but it's kind of it's kind of hard for me. But like, I'm gonna take this time away from my sister. And I'm going to reach out to my cousins, see if they want to kick it mm-hmm. for them to flake on me or for them to not reply to me. I don't know. And I'm, I'm not saying it's right. I just, I don't know. I, I just, I'm more saying that in admiration for my, for my, like my mom's generation, our mom's generation mm-hmm. and how they're able to 
still because keep in touch because my mom is still working like more hours she worked more than 40 hours a week like yeah so for her to still kick it with her cousins and stuff like that and be able to relate like what the family got going on and what's going on and in person like for her to do that man shout out to her because i don't know how the fuck she do that honestly because it's integrated in that generation that, that's my point like yeah. it's not just like the finances that they can do it but it's like they have the in my opinion i feel like my older cousins they have the foundation of families of the family gathering regularly they had the convenience of building the relationships with one another at a very young age and doing a lot together i don't know if your mom had the same same privilege but it sounds like they've had long lasting relationships that were strong and can be continue to be built upon and i get that you and your cousins worked together or you know saw it oh we had the same in. thing okay well <laughs> my cousins and I like a lot of our family gatherings you know were they didn't look the same as my mom's cousins like we did have a lot of good family gatherings for Easter and stuff like that but it was like a certain like around like teenage eight like from eight to being our in our adolescent years I wasn't seeing my cousins as near nearly as much as I did when I was eight and younger so there's like a whole gap of time where there's no relationship being built. You know, there's no like consistency in like spending time together and learning who we are now that we're adults. Hmm. That's for my family. I get that. That's not maybe you, but for me and my family, that's the case. And I don't know. I, I, I just feel like it was a different time. Like I think families operate still very similarly, but you know, if you, not all of us are like that, I guess. And I know yeah. that everyone knows that, but I guess I'll just point out. I think I was just trying to prod at the idea of like why we don't do it. Like, yeah. like you said, I know I get it. You're saying like that older generation have that like they have that foundation of like being close, but like it's not like we're not aware we're not close with our cousins. Yeah. Like we are, we're aware that like you know I I think about the rise of friendsgivings. Yeah. We're aware that we're closer to our friends and our family. Yeah. So I got, sometimes I think to myself, like, I wonder why. This is, that's why. Just because we're not close to them? I, no, I, just, I, I feel like we didn't grow up with the same, the same kind of structure, familiar structure. Like, I feel like, you know, Gen X, boomers, the way that family was oriented, like your friend, your, your friends, your family were your friends. But again i guess i'll just speak for my own fit my own self my friends were my family as opposed to my family being my friends my family's mm. just my family and so friendship and family i just think looks different now i don't think that it's quite as normal as it used to be I'm not saying it doesn't happen or it isn't normal at all i just don't think it's as normal as it used to be and i think that's because we have a lot more broken families especially in the black community you know, after after um, the crack um, pan epidemic, yeah. not the crack pandemic, but the crack epidemic, <laughs> yeah. you know, that really did do a number on just the tightness of our families. So I feel like it's like the hmm. 80s and the 90s babies. I think we had some example of family closeness, but I know I know that my family was impact was affected by that, you know, and I, I I wouldn't say like across a lot of the generations, but. You know. I don't know. I I I know 
we lost at least one relative in that time to that. And who knows what other secrets are out there and who knows what, yeah. what other things happened in the family that we don't know. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I just, yeah. I also talked to my neighbor about this because he has a more like close knit family that where they do everything together. Mm-hmm. So I was asking him kind of like, well, what are the positives and drawbacks? And he was saying like, as a kid, it was great. Like he has all these great memories of coming together, of doing things together. But as he's gotten older, there's been one people move away, which I would argue is the same thing for us. People move away. It's harder to keep in contact, but also drama happens in the family. And as you become an adult, you know, when the family splits up, it's not it's not like as a, it's not like we're going to get together for the sake of the kids. Hmm. It's like, no, F that auntie, <laughs> F that cousin. And you can't help but absorb some of that perspective if you don't have a relationship with that relative. So I just think that like that tight knit, that tight knit like family as friends energy, I think, is just shifted over this time I don't mean to blame it entirely on you know crack cocaine I just think that could be one one example of a reason that contributed to families starting to operate differently where people weren't necessarily as safe to where all family could be a friend yeah you know and I'm I'm sure there is times beyond that but just one example hmm. yeah of my interesting educated guess so weird I gotta look into that yeah I don't know sorry well, no, no, I'm no, I, I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I, granted, I don't like. I, said, I don't know the exact cases of, but I, like, I, said, I could think of something like, like you said, the crack epidemic, where I think about, you know, if you had an uncle or a cousin who was on it, and then you know they stole or whatever, whatever, and then you know them people have kids and stuff like that. So it's like, not only am I not messing with Uncle Ray Ray, but I'm also not messing with my cousin Keisha, because that's you know what I'm saying, and she feel a ways because we don't fuck with Uncle Ray Ray. So she already feel like distance from the family and stuff like, you know, and like and, you said, all, all the other secrets and stuff like that, you know. And their social media. Like back then, they didn't have social media to rely on to keep in touch, to keep tabs on family. These days, we can keep in touch with social media. So the incentive to drive, to visit, to gather, you know, really has to come from because you want to spend time together. I will I not get, just because that's what families do on Christmas. Yeah, I'm gonna lie. I'm an anomaly. Our family is trash at social media. We just try to make a Facebook group, and we're still trash at it. Well, I don't mean that. I don't mean like engaging via social media, but I just mean like you can be friends with family on social media and call that keeping in touch. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like we don't even like. I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know any of my cousins. Like I got my brother's Instagram, but he barely posts. I'm probably the most active social media user, obviously. Mm-hmm. But like other like my other than that, like my mom don't post. She'll send me a meme here and there. Like my aunt don't got social media. My cousin don't got social media. My other cousin don't got social media. My other cousin don't got social media. Like that's probably why y'all are still close. <laughs> that's what I said. Like yeah, I, I feel like we don't. You don't rely on social media to keep in touch, or yeah, like if I if I yeah. don't ask them or if mm-hmm. I don't keep in touch, I don't know what's going on. Like the reason I know. And I, I don't know, like, I think it's cool, but I, I don't know. I, granted, we're pretty close, so it's not like, I'm not worried about those specific cousins, but I have way more cousins than the ones that I keep in touch with. And I, you know, and it, it, I think it is weird because recently somebody that I haven't seen in a long time came back in touch. And I'm like, you know, they have kids that I grew up with. 
you know, I, and I always feel weird. Come trying to reach out, and then you don't get this. You don't know. I'm excited, but then you know it might not be received the same way. Mm-hmm. You being weird, and I I think that's that's also a thing where it's like, how am I weird for being excited to want to? You know, what I'm saying want to see you. I don't know. Shout. Like I said, the dynamics is different, and I don't think any, I don't think anybody's wrong. Like you said, I, why would I be friends with my cousin when I have a friend that's that understands me way better? And I put in more time with. Yeah. That's seen me grow up and grown up with me. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's, but I love my cousins. My cousins and I did grow up together. I miss them very much. So I hope that we can prioritize making, you know, closer connections. It's not like I, I would like to keep in touch. I'd like to share with my family more. So some of this I'm not saying is like healthy for healthy ways to engage in terms of like how I'm showing up, but you know, I'm just honest, I guess. Honest yeah, reflections. I was, yeah, I was just like, I just wanted to go through that because I, I, I feel like people do can relate to, and I kind of want to hear your guys' like point, like on that, like how is your how how is your family different from your parents? Like how what is your family dynamic like? Because I, I I mean, it is something I'm very interested in, especially as a black person, because I feel like going from mass family reunions, like like got pictures of like remembering going to mass family reunions to go into a place where I feel like I barely see my cousins. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. Like it's so jarring to me because it's been, I'm only 26. Yeah. So that means in less than two, de- less than two to three decades, like there's been a major shift in the family structure. And that's kind of like, I, I'm not granted. I, I will say it. It might be for the worse, but like, it's one of those things where it's like, I just want to understand, like, is there something I could do? Is it because, like you said, is it because of social media? I feel like because you're just a message away, I can be a little bit more lenient about reaching out to you. Like, oh, if, you know, I can just reach out to them anytime I want or they can reach out to me anytime I want. Versus like, like you said, back then, if you need to go see your cousin who lived in Mississippi, you got to pull up to Mississippi or they got to pull up to California or you just don't see each other. Like there is no like half pregnant on the relationship. Like. I either go visit my cousin Mississippi once a year and we go do holidays or we don't visit at all. Mm. And I don't know. I think, I think it's pretty cool. I, I do think, I, I always think relationships <laughs> are cool because it's always, it's always cool to see how people are different. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious if the, you know, those who are watching how their families are different than what we're talking about or similar, but yeah, I don't know. There's probably a lot of contributing factors. Why, why things are changing or why things are, how some things have been able to be maintained, but you Reach know, at the end cousins. of the day, shout out to my family. Love you. <laughs> so on a, on a note of family, you obviously you saw a TikTok about conditional and unconditional love. Oh yeah, that's right. And I kind of want to talk about it because I feel like that obviously fits in with family, like unconditional love, conditional love. The I guess the TikTok that you I'll let you explain the TikTok that you saw. Um. Okay, so yeah, there's this talk, TikTok. I think it was like a clip from a podcast. I didn't go beyond the clip, <laughs> so I, I beyond just, the clip. Yeah, I didn't look at watch the whole f- podcast. But it's 2023, no one watches the whole podcast. Yeah, I feel sad to say that. Though. <laughs> it's like not checking your sources. But anyway, um, in this clip, this um, woman was talking about how she doesn't believe women can be can love unconditionally, but she believes that men can. Because she said, when men love a woman, they love a woman. It's almost like to infer that when women love a man, she can fall out of love with him. And 
I don't know. What do you think about that? Do you think that do you think that men are the only ones that can love unconditionally? Do you believe that statement that she said too? Hmm. Because when men love a woman, they like go hard. I don't know if the word's unconditional, mm-hmm. but I do I do I think and I don't say I don't I say this and take it with a grain of salt. I'm just I'm just saying it the way that I'm thinking it right now. Based on how, what I'm hearing and how I see it, I do feel like there's a little bit more resolve in the love that a man gives. Like a man, like I feel like a man loves first, mm-hmm. and like there's that that they're okay with that love getting a little bit battered and still having that love. But I do I do feel like at least my personal relationships, I do feel like it takes a little bit longer to get a woman to love you. And even in that, I do feel like there can be things that I'll be like, you know, like you said, I feel like there, I feel like that, that love can get beat up to a point where like, ah, nah. Would you say it's resilience? Like men's love is a bit more resilient. Not stronger, just more resilient. Yeah. I, yeah. And I think, I think a lot of, I think a lot of it too is that I think men's love isn't, I know this sounds weird to say. I do feel like men's love is based a lot more. I don't know if I'm explaining this right when I say this. It's based a lot more on how they feel about the person. Mm-hmm. And I feel like sometimes the way it feels is that a woman's love can feel like how some of the things you they've that a person has done to them made them feel. Yeah, like it's contingent upon how a person makes them feel. Yeah, like I feel like if I if I like a person, like a uh, girlfriend, mm-hmm. like it's because you feel that way. Yeah, that that feeling, like I have this feeling that I love you, but it's not like it's, there's not many things that you did, or I. It's not contingent upon how she makes you feel. Yeah, like we still have arguments stuff like that, but like the feeling doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Versus on a on the flip side, I've come to realize sometimes it's like, yeah, I like you, but like the way you, the way you, some of the things you have done has made me feel away and I either can't love you or I felt out of love with you because of some of the things you did. Yeah. And I feel like I've heard that reason from women a lot of times where it's like, you did this or these are, here's a li- list of things that you did and didn't correct and which that dictate. It leads to the ick. Yeah. So I, I do feel like, I guess in that context, if you want to say that's conditional and unconditional, I do feel like a men's love is a little bit more unconditional where it's like it's not based on exactly what a woman is doing or not doing. Mm-hmm. It could be it is a little bit based based a little bit deeper based on the person, maybe. And a woman, I'm not saying a woman can't feel that way, but I do feel like even though she can love somebody for who they are, if it's not if they feel like it's not working, that's going to take that's going to take hold first, like. Yeah, this ain't this ain't feeling good. So I'm out of here. Yeah, I I I don't know if I agree that a man's love man's love is more resilient, but I would I would argue that we do get the ick relatively easy as it relates to like men not not being able to maintain making us feel safe, making us feel good, making us feel happy. Um, But I also think we live in a very conditional world. I mean, it's like part of self-preservation to an extent to have these conditions like, oh, you only get this love and this 
belonging if you abide by these kind of like collective virtues. And if you violate these virtues, potentially they can, you know, violate the health of the overall group or potentially the individual we're talking like. We can use bigger virtues for the example of this, like, you know, back in the day when people would be shunned away because of adultery or, you know, murder or anything, Mm -hmm. you know, that is a threat to to the group. But I think I will say, too, I feel like I feel like men are more simple. Like, I don't feel like men want very much from relationship. Well, now they want more stuff with this whole traditional woman shit. But like, I don't feel like I feel like I think ultimately what a man really wants is a woman just to really like ride for them and believe in them well this is the thing i i i don't disagree i i don't the point that i was going to make is that um bell hooks wrote this book called all about love it's a book that i'm it's like on my to read list but it's on my to read list because she believes that we live in a world where like we really need to learn how to love again that the world is bereft with lovelessness. And she says the word love is most often defined as a noun, but we would all love it. We would all love better if we used it as a verb. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I know it's a verb, but I don't think we treat it as that. I Mm -hmm. do think on the, if we're talking about the point of conditions, it's like a noun. It's like, what do you give me? Right. And if you give me that, then I give you love, but you know, it is, what we do for one another, not in terms of what we give, but yeah, how we're willing to compromise, how we're willing to accept other people, how we're willing to not judge. And unconditional love comes through these different paths, but it also comes from being like detached to Mm -hmm. an extent. And really allowing a person to exist freely, whether you have love in return or not. Like, and for me, I think the only real unconditional love that exists is from God or else parentally. I do think parental love can be unconditional, but um, it's not all parents. But I think that there are many parents who do. I feel like it's the only space that unconditional love makes sense. And I think that's also because it's like a Up human. To I also think that it's it's like that too because it's a human variation of like spirit spirits kind of relationship to us. You know, God is in Christian. Um, faiths you know god is our father god is our parent you know god is our protector our provider and you know parents are probably one of the best examples of what this is intended to to really be be like so i feel like that makes sense why that particular type of relationship is the only type that we can understand that i can understand as unconditional but I i think to your point yeah people want a lot more out of romance have a lot more expectations out of friendships and so when those things are not met, it's a lot more difficult to exchange love because um, it feels like an exchange. But I'll tell you the one place it definitely does not exist, and that's in professional settings. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that any think business, any you know, I don't think any business really loves you, even if they say we're family. I feel like know? business is, is completely transactional. Yeah. It's like, 
I mean, it has to be, though. If it's not working, I can't continue to be in this relationship. You worked with your family, though. Yeah, but we're family before the business. Versus when you come into, you know, if I went to work, you know, working for my family is different because even when, you know, like it's not working, we understand that there's a love that's like kind of holding us together. Mm -hmm. And like that means just like a little bit more of like trying to work with that person. But if you if you know what I'm saying, like if you were a dean at a school and you had a teacher who was a nice person, but she just wasn't, you know, um, you know, the students, the students weren't excelling in her class. And there's certain things that she's falling short on. It's like you have. You can be like, oh, I feel for her and give and keep giving her opportunity, but there is a there there has to be in business has to be a part of like okay, I'm her doing more hurt than I am doing like good, or potentially potentially because but the I, kids in her class aren't getting aren't getting what they're supposed to get, and you know maybe I might take this back. Oh well, yeah, okay. I don't know. I feel like I've had some bosses that really loved me. You know, like really looked out for me in the way that a parent would, you know, that eventually became not just a boss to me, but a mentor. So I actually don't know if I stand. I don't think I stand on that, actually. I think that their unconditional love exists within like probably the soul of the person. So I'll, I'll say this. If it came down to a situation where it was either their job or your job, how do you think that plays out? I think it depends on where they're at and their soul. Like, I don't know. If if it's between their job and my job and it's like a somebody higher up than me or a friend, I I would expect that we can do a friendly competition and no, be no, open no. about it. I'm not I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like You think you think that they, would they put me on the chopping block? Is that what you're asking? To save I, their own job? I'll say like this. If I'm, because I, I explained it to my, the, my my situation, like my, my boss, Teresa. I think Teresa really liked me. I don't know. I don't even take it. You could probably say Teresa loved me. Like she still reaches out to me. But I do understand that if I'm not doing my job and that's affecting her job and it's like either now it's either, it's either, I like you said, it's either I have to, even though he's a good kid, He's not doing what he's supposed to do. If he can't act, if he can't act right, I gotta get him out of here, or I have to get up out of here. Mm-hmm. And that's why I feel like the obviously the feeling doesn't change about that person, but it does be like, you know, I got I have to get you out of here because. But I don't think it's unloving to have to cut somebody because they're not doing their job. I think that's a loving act. People need the truth. What's unloving is to blindly or blindside somebody and fire them without giving them any warnings, without giving them an opportunity to correct what's going wrong, that's where it's like conditional and it's just, you know, coming from a place of we're not getting what we need. But if we have this, if we have an exchange, an even exchange where this is a relationship and you're pouring into me, I'm pouring, I'm pouring into this work and I'm, but I, if I'm falling short, I, I need, I need that honesty. And I feel like somebody that genuinely cares is going to give you that honesty lovingly. And if that means that your job is at risk, then you can have that conversation lovingly, you know? Mm. So again, mm-hmm. I think it, it's in the heart and the soul of the individual. 
I don't think it's um, determined by the type of relationship as we've had this conversation. I guess I just feel like the person on the receiving end won't feel that love. I think it maybe not immediately, <laughs> but I've had hard conversations with bosses yeah. like that where they had to tell me, listen, actually, I had a, I had a conversation with one of my bosses just last semester about my my emailing and she I had I had a I had two evaluations and both the same evaluation essentially same criteria one evaluation my supervisor was really hard on me and the faculty the other faculty member that that supervised me they were a lot harder on me than this other campus that I was I was equally under observation with they gave me such kinder reviews but they gave me the same honest feedback. Yeah. And but it was just in completely different forms. One actually threatens my like my basically the all of the documentation of like how good I teach, right? This evaluation is a part of that portfolio, that file. And so my ability to advance, my ability to make progress is affected by by this. So if you have seen that I'm having these issues, you're going to save it for the evaluation and mark it down on the evaluation as opposed to let me know, you know, because the thing is like, I don't think that the problems that they pointed out were bad enough to get the, the remarks that I had on my evaluation sheet. I'm generally a very like accountable person. And Ultimately, my main problem is like keeping up with emails, as I've mentioned. I think we started the, the podcast with that. So in in the one where I did really great, I had a one off conversation with my with my um, chair and she was just like, you know, I have I just have to be honest with you. You know, you do you missing emails the way that you do is holding you back professionally. It's holding you back from opportunities and it's holding you back from being seen for the high caliber instructor that you are. And that's the feedback I needed. What I didn't appreciate was being ripped a new one in the evaluation without like any love behind it. It really felt like it was penalizing because it made her job more, more difficult that I don't respond to emails, you know, as opposed to like, I know that it's overwhelming as an adjunct to have three different inboxes, potentially six because you're at multiple campuses. Yeah. It didn't come from that place like the other chair. So, yeah. you know, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's at the heart of the individual. Yeah. And I, I guess maybe think about what LaRusso said, like business isn't personal, but but it is like but business relationships are. Well, even like. So people say like, oh, it's, it's not personal, it's just business. And like, why I believe there's truth to that. I think he spoke to a point that's very that's that's very like uh, pertinent. Is it's while business isn't personal, the way that you handle business is. So the relationships. About, yeah. So it's like, while I might not me giving this evaluation might not be personal. The like I said, the demeanor in which I gave it to you is because mm -hmm. it, it's it's personal in the sense of like it talks about how who I am as a person. Mm -hmm. Cause like I said, if I'm berating you in this in this review, like yeah, it's just business. Like it's just business. Like get better at your job. But at the same time, it's like that just means as a person personally, that's just who you are. You berate people when they don't do what you want them to do. And like granted, I'm, I'm just speaking only from the little bit. I don't know who that person is, but mm -hmm. 
you know, if that that's not I don't like you said, there's no uplifting in that moment. Like there's no how do you pick yourself up when you're just like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> here's some tools to help you back up. <laughs> yeah, that's like, kind of. Yeah. 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 And. And I get it. That's why I said, I've never been in a situation like that. I've never had to be evaluated and stuff like that. Um, but I, I don't know. To the conversation about like conditional, like, I don't know. I, I do feel like people can love unconditionally, but I do. Like I, like I told my girlfriend earlier, I feel like love is unconditional, but I do feel like the the this is how I feel about God. But this is also how I, I feel like we should we should pr- approach relationships pe- personally. We should love unconditionally, but the condition what what should be conditional is how we is the relationship. Hmm. Like 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 we talking about like a parent like unconditionally I'm always gonna love my son even if he's a dopehead or not you know whatever. Mm-hmm. But the condition what might conditionally I might the relationship is based on conditions if you're stealing and stuff like that no you can't come over my house yeah that's a fair well if you're stealing we shouldn't be friends yeah I'm talking about family like if you're like if you're my if you're my son I'm still gonna love it you. applies even if we're family well I'm saying like if you're my son I'm still I don't I don't love you less because you have this affliction yeah but based on the conditions no you can't spend the night at my house yeah yeah no I'm not gonna allow you to call me up to 10 yeah you know like you know like yeah there might, there's gonna be a lot more boundaries but set. yeah but boundaries don't mean that the love isn't there yeah, yeah. and that the love isn't con- unconditional yeah, I, yeah. Feel like, I just feel like the relationship and i feel like that's it is healthy yeah. to have conditions because hmm. you know like i talked to my girlfriend on the phone like it, it's a it's also safety because there's that don't mean that don't mean you can't come back around you can come back around when you get your when things you know when you come when you come correct i guess you could say i hate to say it that way but like when you come correct you can come back around, you know, you try to clean up, whatever, whatever. And you like you're actively trying to change your ways. I can see more grace. But if you're in the hot and heavy of it, and you just you're just letting letting it take you. It's kind of tough. Yeah. And it, I, I like mean, that. I like that that statement that relationships are conditional, but the love isn't. Yeah. The love, I, doesn't, love doesn't have to be because even like and I say this with chess, like, I mean, I still got love for my ex-girlfriends like. Like for sure, like to your point, like unconditional. Like I've been done wrong by some of my ex girlfriends, or I I felt done wrong, but I don't love them any less. I just love them from a distance. Yeah, I just I'm not. Yeah, you know, like I care about you, but like I'm not trying to engage. So it's like stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah, that's good. I like that. I like that. I I would concede to that point. Yeah, but like, kind of like, I kind of want to go into like the, um, I guess you could say leadership. Like, I think it is important to to be careful about how you use your tongue. You know, when you when you tell somebody something, cut. You can say the same thing different ways and get different reactions. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. tell someone they breath stink versus offering them a slice of gum. Yeah. Or even, you know, like, this is like the pull them to the side, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, there's, you know, there's different, there's the people, there's the people like, dang, who breast me like that? <laughs> or there's a like, like, hey, let's, let's you want to walk with me over here real quick? And it's like, I didn't want to tell you for everybody, but your breath is kicking like <laughs> karate, bro. Like, you might want to handle that. Oh, thanks, bro. You know, I think 
I, I, when you talk about like, there's a lot less love. I, I think there is a lot of apathy in that, where it's like some people just don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, and I, I don't know where it came from, but like, it, there is a lot of people where it's like, I they just do not care. Well, yeah, and they don't. I had a student. Uh, did I tell you the story already? Where I had a student that was, um, he was giving a speech, and I asked my students to give some feedback, and one of them was like, "Okay, I got to be honest." That was the worst speech out of everybody this semester. Was that a fair assessment? No, it was not fair. No, I'm, but I'm, it was his. It was his assessment, so it was fair for him to him to feel. But the fact that he had expressed it was just what took everybody by surprise. <laughs> and so we were all like, <gasps> "Did he expand?" Um, did he need to? It was all in that in that one sentence. And I mean, he did try to elaborate. He was like, I mean, you were just like really nervous and you read uh, from your speech. You read your speech the entire time. Like that was true. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. That was true. But to, to compare him to everyone else and say it was the worst speech out of everyone in the whole semester. That is just you, that's like digging the knife and twisting it like you, you could have just left it mm. at. You te- you read a lot and lost me personally. I don't know. I, I and I hope in the next one you have more confidence to really engage us in a conversation. I, to his point, I feel like what he did brought more attention to, to what he might be doing, though. I don't know. I mean, that student came back with his final speech with the best speech of the semester <laughs> and made us cry. That's, like that's what I'm saying. You know, it is a very cool success story. So I I'm not gonna say that guy was the reason though, but no, I feel like that's partial. but I, I feel like it it definitely you know he wanted to give him a big f u. You know, maybe he didn't actually. That student was really kind, so I don't even think that was on that student. So I think it was more for himself. Like I really know that I can do better. And that, and he took that feedback. He hmm. actually was not defensive about it. If anything, the rest of the class was more offended than he seemed to be in that moment. Shout out to him. So he, yeah, he was very resilient. So I feel like you know, but I do feel like people do need to hear that. Some people need to hear it, and honestly, like not everybody's going to say things nicely at the end of the day. You know, Cause, I wish hmm. that was the case, but not everybody will. And that's that was the reality of my reviews. Like hmm. I needed that feedback, the feedback where I wasn't marked perfectly because I'm not perfect. And honestly, it was super humbling because I saw myself as this <laughs> this very like I thought I, I came off as like I'm on top of my shit. Yeah. And it was very clear that that's not the case across the board, how how my colleagues and, and supervisors are seeing me. Yeah. And so I, yeah. Yeah, that's what I said. I, yeah. To that point, I, but I yeah. Hmm. Because I think about. Sorry, I know y'all hate him. KS. Thought about Kevin Samuels today. Cause I was watching one of his old streams when he was going in on niggas. Cause he was talking about the. He was talking about how like people want to cheat the game. Mm-hmm. Like, cause he he before he used to talk about the cheat code to the game is address how you dress first. Like, if you could change how you dress, cause you, it's hard to change how your body looks relatively quickly. It's change. It's hard to gain skills really quickly. It's hard to get these things that might take a little bit more time, but then you can do immediately. And as a hack, is change the way that you dress and you carry yourself. You can change that tomorrow. Yeah. And he was he was talking about in that the harsh love was in there because he was like, y'all love to do this. Y'all love to come in here, get this little bit of information, and be in there commenting, showboating like. Oh, you spend some real games now, whatever, whatever, trying to be seen. 
but to me, that's let you know that you're not trying to do the real work and like, you know, obviously he does what he does. He's like, when you, he's like, you talking about, oh, I'm a teddy bear, women like big men. He said, when you get your sloppy self out the shower and your big, you look at yourself in the mirror and you, you really ask yourself, does somebody want to sleep with me? Like, you know, stuff like that. Like I, even though I think for some people it might be like, <gasps> like you said, the gas, but I, I guess from the salesman part of me, I feel like the gas was important because that means you struck an emotional reaction. Like now yeah. you're touching that more like, like, like um, like the uh, li- like they say lizard brain. Like now you're engaged. You're like, oh, what you mean? What you mean by that, my boy? And yeah. you're more engaged in what's coming after that because usually they'll do that, and after that it usually comes with the with the critique you need to hear. Yeah, and I'm, not, I'm not saying it works for everybody because some people are a little bit more emotional, and sometimes it comes from like, like I said, if you if you're doing okay and somebody comes at you like that, it's like damn. I don't know. That sounds like masochism if you're into that, you know, like, t- you know, it's just like some people like it hard. Like some people like it. I think that's masochism. Let me look that up real quick. You know what I'm talking about? I've heard the word, but I, don't, I never used it. Like some people, some people want, want it hard. Like they want, they, they don't want it nice, you know, but, and I- to those people, you know, <laughs> teach their own. But I do think like when you think about how your words are going to land on someone else, I think that's important. And if the shock value is what you're going for, as opposed to it really resonating and being heard, um, I don't feel like that's coming from like a very loving place. I feel like that's coming from a very like egotistical place because you're trying Mm -hmm. to get a rise out of somebody as opposed to really helping somebody. I mean, maybe I, it can be both and. Like I said, too, I, but I, 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 just, I think it just depends on the person, right? Because like I think about like my little brother. This is not the oh, problem. Okay, never mind. It is not a masochist yeah. thing. <laughs> it's not a. Uh, um, it's not that. I'll well, laugh. in general, in general use, it's a person who enjoys an activity that appears to be painful or tedious. Well, that includes like painful words coming yeah. at you. So it it could apply generally speaking, but yeah. And anyway. like I, I say, like like I'll say, like when I was younger. I was a musty kid. Mm-hmm. And I had people, you know, hey, you're musty. Hey, did you put deodorant on? Granted, I was out I, I was going through puberty. Even with the deodorant, even with the deodorant on, I just smelled crazy. Mm-hmm. Just hormones is going crazy. The, the, the BL smells crazy. Mm-hmm. And you know, people are like, hey, hey, uh, be nice. And like, I'm gonna be honest, I don't think that I don't I I think it, it works when it's like Granted, maybe not said this way, but, you know, some people, you know, you get the uncle. No, nah, nigga, you need to get in the shower. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself someone like that. It's like, damn. In fifth grade, I had a friend who also <laughs> sat in front of <laughs> Why are you laughing? I'm sorry. I just, I just thought about that moment. <laughs> okay. Well, in fifth grade, I had a similar moment, a similar fr- a friend with a similar situation. And I <laughs> tapped her on her shoulder and gave her some perfume nicely like yeah. i didn't make fun of her i'm not no i'm not saying but she fun was of her. she well i know but your uncle like giving it to you hard i just feel like yeah people everybody's different like i i told her it nicely and i didn't think about like if other people were telling her that you know what i mean like well, did she come back musty Yes, she actually seemed upset that I had said anything at all. So that's what I'm saying. Like, 
We're we're not friends anymore, by the way. Just <laughs> no, want to be clear. I mean, like, I hope not. I hope she's doing very well, and she did outgrow that. But I think it had more to do just. Why are you laughing? So. <laughs> she outgrew that. <laughs> so Jesus. <laughs> Nothing wrong. I mean, hey, we all got. We, you know, we we all had a musty friend. Yeah, you know, we've even been the musty friend. Sometimes, honestly, <laughs> honestly, that's why I was like, I, I, "This is no shade to you. I, yeah. I just want to help you out because I want what's best for you." But some people be sensitive, regardless of how you give it, good or you know, or like hard. Yeah. So, and I guess that's really the the bigger thing. Same for me. I needed that information either way, and I'm I'm I have no control over how that information is going to get to me. Yeah. I guess, you know? point, I guess the point I was just I, like I said, I, I feel like it just depends on the person. Cause, yeah. Because I, I, I oh, especially as coming a, back to my point, what it's it's reliant on the soul of the individual. Yeah. The condition of a person's soul yeah. that that determines it, whether or not a person is capable of unconditional love. Yeah. Sorry, I, I no, know I, I just no, I get, you. no, I get what you're saying. That's what, that's what I, I agree. I don't know. I'm, okay. I'm not. I'm, this tell people. I, I I just want to say that this te- this tell this tell them. Sometimes I feel like we do beat around the bush too much. Yeah, and I'm I'm pretty bad at beating around the bush. Yeah, and sometimes I do get fed up. That's what I'm talking about. The patience. That's why I don't think I could be a teacher. Where it's like, you know, trying to beat around the bush. At if oh. I keep beating around the bush too long, I get mad. I'm like, I'm gonna chop the bush down, bro. No, my students know I don't beat around the bush. <laughs> I yeah. don't do that. They know it. Professor B keeps it real in the class, but I'm gonna say it kindly, and then. After so many times, if you don't get it, I'm going to say it bluntly. That, that's the point I'm making. I, yeah. I'm not saying jump out the gate with the blunt. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying if like if sometimes I sometimes people earn it. Yeah, if I keep saying like, "Hey, keep reading," you keep reading the essay. Hey, you know it was good, but you keep reading the essay. Mm-hmm. The third time was like, "Listen, it's not a good speech if you read the essay." <laughs> Listen, give me the notes. <laughs> Please. <laughs> so, anyways. Anyway. But, guys, I think that was a, another episode of the Special Friends Podcast. Again, I'm your boy, Woozy. I am Professor B, a.k.a. Ali B. Yeah, and uh, just want to let you guys know I appreciate you. Do me a favor. If you guys haven't already, subscribe, like, like comment. C word, <laughs> comment, <laughs> notification bell, all that. Follow us on socials. Sorry, I have been slacking on on the social media posts. Yeah, I just really people uh, been missing our clips. Yeah, I mean, I post and I just, you know, like I said, they got to tell us what their are their favorite moments are, so we know also. Yeah, get some ideas, some inspo. I just be having them. I be it's hard to like watch them, mm-hmm. and then also keep up what's going on time stamp your favorite moment if you care yeah that'd be dope so yeah, whenever it happens yeah <laughs> <laughs> again appreciate you guys and we're out of here yeah peace